Welcome to the RSP Cast Going Deep. RSP Cast with Angelo Fantasy, Brandon Angelo. Of course, you can find him at Angelo underscore Fantasy on Twitter, at Matt Waldman on Twitter as well. Brandon, good to see you as always. We have a yes, good show. Sir. Absolutely, man. Excited, man. Trade deadline just happened, so we definitely have some stuff to talk about. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, so we've got that. We've got things, you know, part of that is what 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 direction are we looking at with the Vikings now? We've got then we look at the Titans and you know what they had happen this past Sunday with Will Levis, the Bills offense. We'll talk a little bit about them. Then the I guess the current rage is to is to be polarizing about Brock Purdy. We'll take we'll have we'll have our viewpoints about that. Of course, the Bears, you know, and the direction of running backs in this league, you know, where that may be heading. And Demario yeah. Douglas, I think, may be a favorite of both of ours. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. So, so, you know, with that in mind, um, let's start with the Vikings. You know, yeah, Kirk Cousins sure. gets hurt. Um, you had Jaron Hall out of BYU as a possibility, where a lot of people are like, "Yeah, it probably ain't gonna happen." But you know, it may at least for the week. I would have to think as Josh Dobbs has to get ready. Josh yeah. Dobbs barely got moved in you know (laughs) (laughs) absolutely it's an interesting you know time to be a vikings fan because this injury to kirk cousins basically just spells the end of him as a minnesota viking right but what it also does is it kind of gives you with josh dobbs the bridge to the next guy right so i think there's a pretty good chance if josh dobbs plays well and he, he played well in arizona and from a nucleus standpoint, the Vikings are a much better team as a whole than the Arizona Cardinals are, right? Better right. weapons, better coaching. Um, so I think there's a good chance Josh Dobbs is a starter day one next year. Um, while they figure out, you know, maybe they draft the quarterback in the first round, which I think they'll go that direction, whether via trade up or or sit in this spot. And hopefully for them, it's, um, you know, close to the 10, pick 10. And then, yeah, I think we see Josh Dobbs. Um, getting some run as a starter. I'd love to see him stick somewhere, right? I think I think we all would love that. I mean, he's he's played well, especially, you know, late last year with the Titans. I thought he actually did pretty well with, with the kind of the bad team he had, the sure. playmakers in front of him. Um, and he, he played good ball with the Cardinals, right? You know, eight you know eight eight touchdowns, five picks, eighty one passer rating. Like, wasn't bad whatsoever. Um, but I think it's an interesting time to be a Vikings fan, too, because the Justin Jefferson decision kind of looms, right? And I think with Justin, when he looks at, you know, not just the money part of it is, hey, like, he he wants to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think he's on his way to doing so. You need a quarterback yeah. to get you the ball. So does he trust that brass to go out and make a good decision, either acquire a a veteran that can help Justin grow some more, or does he trust Josh Dobbs enough to be that bridge guy to, you know, kind of the heir apparent? Well, who's a veteran that we would have in mind for Minnesota next year? If it's, you know, yeah. they're going to bring him in and then have Josh Dobbs as the second and Jaron Hall as maybe the third, yeah, uh, you know, or a ch- competition between Hall and, and Dobbs. Absolutely. That's the that's the fun part is there really isn't a ton of veteran quarterbacks right now that you would kind of say fit that bill, right? Um, a non-veteran in division is an interesting one, and that's it's going to be pretty simple. It's, it's Justin Fields, right? I think that's one I, I don't think they'll ever go that direction. But 
it's fun to think about, right? I think that that's that's a young quarterback that might have a change of scenery next year if they draft Caleb Williams. Then you know they're definitely going to move on from Justin Fields, and they'll be they'll find a trade suitor for him. And the Vikings are definitely a suitor. Um, but I'll be interested to see what they do with that because they need a quarterback to get him the ball, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's him and TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. Those are three really good playmakers, but they need someone to distribute to them. So we'll see who that is. Yeah, that's without a doubt. And when you look at the rest of the names, you know, Jameis Winston was a name for the trade market, yeah. and they didn't pull that trigger. Um, right. The the most ironic one that would be here, and it would obviously be the signal that they would be drafting someone, but then felt like they could use him, is Teddy Bridgewater. I knew you were going to say yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I would, would, no, 100%. I think as a fan, I think as a fan, it would be fun to see Teddy return and have, yeah. like, a big year and, like, yeah. hold off the rookie and then, like, you know, but I know have a that... Geno Smith, yeah, yeah for sure. Geno, Jared, kind of all that tied yeah. into one, but... But really, yeah, they're they've got to be looking at they've got to make a good pick at quarterback, or they're going to have to trade for somebody. But that's like trading for quarterback seems like rife mm-hmm. with all sorts of craziness from a salary cap perspective Absolutely. and how much you're giving up. Oh yeah. So and this team isn't a complete team by any stretch of the imagination. No. I mean, Brian Flores is in there to be aggressive because they don't have a lot in that secondary. And then right. you know, so looking at this. And it's such a shame because Kirk Cousins is just good enough that you can look at like Jordan Addison and you know and Jefferson together, and you're thinking, "Wow, what a receiving core this is!" Because, exactly. I mean, the Je- I I said this the other day, but it feels like you know, I mean, I like I I'm sure we both like Jordan Addison. I thought Jordan Addison had a a lot of T.Y. Hilton in him, kind of a guy yeah. who could play outside and take the ball away from you in a contested situation if needed, even though that may not be like the ideal thing to ask him to do. But it was almost like when Jefferson got hurt, they're like, well, we're going to tra- take the training Williams w- wheels off of you. And he was right. like, it's, you know, you should have done it in May. You, you know, I mean, it almost the way he was playing it, it was almost like, why baby me you know you you shouldn't have done that you could have taken me out of pittsburgh and i would have been doing this you know right 100 at usc so it's just a shame because now i'm looking at this and going they need an instant guy right to take advantage of these two players and i just don't know if the timing's gonna be there for that yeah it's i mean really yeah i mean i think justin jefferson's gonna ask that same question because he can get he's gonna get he can get the money anywhere right i mean every place that he goes knows he's a top three top two receiver in the nfl right especially with the age he's he's probably the one of the best players under 25 years old so i think in that respect like you're looking at honestly if i'm him and a, a team like let's say the kansas city chiefs or a a bigger market team wants to give you some some good money to go there you might take it because it might take the vikings a while to figure this out right i mean if, if josh jobs comes in and even if he does a good job like we all know josh Dobbs is not the long-term answer in minnesota but if you get a, a rookie quarterback in there who's going to be a little bit green i mean who knows right i mean that might be a frustrating time um We've seen even veterans, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo going <laughs> going to Las Vegas, the type of rifts that's causing for 
Devontae Adams, who's still a, a top five, top 10 receiver. Absolutely. Um, you know, we see what that's causing him to do. Um, but I mean, man, it, it can be really tough if you're a superstar playmaker and you can't have someone distributing the ball. So, I mean, I, I yeah. think it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, how many games win the rest of the season, how they play their hand in the draft. Yeah, it's going to have to it's going to be tough because I would if I were if I were the Kansas City Chiefs right now after I'm looking at my team and if someone was able to get into that room and say okay fellas let's be honest with ourselves look coach Reed you're one of the greats in the game your offense is a great offense um but let's let's look at all the players that you've cycled through at wide receiver since you arrived in 1999 at Philly and there aren't many that you drafted who actually were legit like top op options and the reason that yeah. is is in your offense you need guys who can improvise like you said you know yeah so yeah. Talk about that two weeks ago yeah so justin jefferson would be the perfect example of like all right Absolutely. i can succeed travis kelsey and supplement for him maybe if in his final yeah. year or two as he slows down if he wants to continue to play if yeah. he's not, if he slow, if he slow down, slows down at all during that period that he's there, you know, yeah. Jordan Addison, you kind of feel bad because it's like, here you are. You, you, yeah. I but, mean, the Ascension kind of, you know, you might have to put a halt to it in some respects. Right. I mean, I think that's the big deal is you have a player like him who's, you know, getting better each week, right. He's becoming, you know, a potential number one option in the NFL. Right. He's, he's, He's getting to a point where he's one of those – I would say he's potentially a top five number two receiver in the league, right? I think behind some of the bigger names, like obviously a Waddle, a Higgins, a Smith. After that, it's, it's a bunch of question marks with Mike Williams going down too, right? So it's like you you have one of the best young secondary options in the league um, who'd be a primary option for a lot of teams. So it, like I said, man, it'll be really interesting to see what they do in the draft and – if Justin Jefferson wants to stick around, because you brought up a really good point, and we talked about it two weeks ago, you know, that Chiefs offense needs an improviser, yeah. right? Travis Kelsey's aging. He's not getting any younger. In two years, he might not be in the league, or, you know, he, he's on his last legs, right? The Kansas City Chiefs don't have one of those in their offense right now. They got a nice power slot in Rasheed Rice. I think he's good. Um, but after that, it's, you know, who do you have? Yeah. And also, if we look at that offense, they just lost the Denver Broncos. They don't look like they've looked in years past, whether it's because Matt Nagy's the one calling plays or, you know, the the league has sort of figured out the Mahomes stuff, and or they just don't have a primary option on the outside, yeah. right? I mean, a, going through a year of that is one thing, but going through multiple years of not having that guy, it's going to be tough to win in the AFC. And it's going to be tough to win another Super Bowl if you have that. So yeah. they need a guy like that. And, you know, if Justin Jefferson is staring them in the face, I mean, you're Andy Reid. You got to be looking at your chops and saying, hey, we got to we just gotta do what we got to do to get him. Because yeah. that puts you over the top, right? I, I don't know. You know, just as an evaluator, and I know that, you, you know, people will say, well, we've already established that these guys aren't good enough because if they were good enough, they would have already popped right now. But if I, you know, to buck that trend because we know that that's not always the case, if I were the Vikings right now, I'd be like, okay, I've got Jaron Hall. Um, maybe I should do a casting call of some guys that I want to target maybe in free agency 
to just see what there's what's there like Matt Corral like sure. like Skylar Thompson is there could could we possibly maybe get get give a six or seventh round pick for him um and bring him in and see right. see what he might have and and that way if we don't get the guy we wanted we have some guys in camp that that may actually turn out to be pretty good um i would you, you know i i look at this team and i think that um you know all in all they would it would probably be in their best and i mean they've they've just got to nail the pick but i think also trey lance what you yeah. know are the are is dallas stuck to holding on and are they like we're holding on to him for a reason um sure. probably but could they be paid possibly to maybe give up on him before he even gets started and and see if you want to roll that i would have to think minnesota scouts have seen enough of trey lance since he was you know a couple states over you, you yep. know to you know to see you know maybe they they would have that would be a good fit in some regards so there are some options that might be lower cost if they don't get who they want in the draft but it's a rich draft class at least in names um we'll see michael Penix could be a really i mean I so. if, if you're gonna if you're gonna name a guy that you go can we have a can we have a an offense that feels a little bit like Dante Culpepper with Chris Carter and Randy Moss, mm -hmm. you know, Penix has that bombs away attitude and accuracy yeah. that could be fantastic for that. hundred percent. So, 100%. yeah. So there's some options there now bombs away. You know, we certainly saw that with Will Levis, you know, against Atlanta. Now my thought Brandon was, I saw a lot of, single high by Atlanta. I saw a lot of blitzing and usually it seems like it goes two ways with rookie quarterbacks. It's either we're going to play, we're going to play really kind of conservative and just like make you kind of dink and dunk and pick us apart and show us that you can be patient and do that. Or we're going to try and rattle your chain and, and be super aggressive and see if you can handle that. And it looked like Atlanta went that direction and failed miserably <laughs> with yeah, Levis no. his, his credit. I mean, four touchdowns and just, I mean, he was accurate on most of his yeah, he lit him shots. Up. Yeah, he lit him up. And it was, I was, you know, I think everybody was kind of surprised, right? Because the Titans offense, even with Ryan Tannehill, like the past two years, just hasn't looked good. Yeah. They don't have the playmakers. DeAndre Hopkins getting old. Jalen Burks doesn't look good. You know, Chica Conquo's, you know, okay, like, you know, your offense runs through Derrick Henry, and that's how it's been. But, man, like, I, I'll be honest, like, this offense looked completely different with Will Levis at the helm, more so from a, hey, we're not going to be afraid to, to to really call some of the level three concepts that we have. Yeah. Because Tim Kelly, that's something the whole year that they haven't done. And, and last year as well, they didn't do that too. So – really we're seeing a different iteration of this offense that I think could be a ton of fun. I think if you actually get another playmaker in there, right, that can let Trey, let Traylon Burks play the power slot role, right? Because that's, I think, where he's going to be best in the NFL, and I think he's best right now. He's not an outside receiver, not ready for that type of role yet. Let DeAndre Hopkins play the X. You have your Z as you know, a guy who can play all three levels of the field. And then you have a, 
a good running back in Tajay Spears. Like that's a good offense right yeah. there, right? So I think, in my opinion, um, this is this is an offense that is going to take steps forward from now on because I think they've figured out, okay, we this is how we have to play football. And Rabel, I think, is kind of gritting his teeth, saying, "Uh." We have we have to take this step because Mike, Mike Vrabel, I love Mike Vrabel, but right. my God, is he so stubborn? He plays football like it's 2011. Yeah, and that's how he loves it. He is. I thought he played like it was like 1911. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd be a little bit too generous. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it really reminds me of you know when Adrian Peterson was on the Vikings. All right, let's give AP the ball 30 times a game. Whatever happens, happens. Get us in good field position. You know, play the clock. Yeah. You know, make sure we're in favorable down and distance, and that's it. Yeah, and let your right? quarterback try and win it in the exactly. next minutes. Dan Reeves' offense. Exactly. And so now he actually has someone who can push the ball down the field a bit. And I think we're seeing the tip of that. I think it's awesome. Um, we'll see how he plays once and we'll talk about Brock Purdy and people are saying, oh, Brock Purdy, you know, he's he's not going to be very good anymore. The NFL figures you out eventually, right? These guys get paid too much and they're too smart. And that's their job, right? If I had 24 hours a day and my job was to stop opposing quarterbacks and I get paid $500,000 to do it, you bet I'm going to try and stop posing quarterbacks, right? Because these guys, defensive coordinators, want to stick in the league. And that's something that I don't think other people take into account is the reason a lot of rookie quarterbacks have success, we have a lot of defensive quarterbacks have no idea where they're going to be, right? And they're starting from scratch. But as you look at schematically how they're, you know, how they're playing, how they play different defensive sets, what their tendencies are on down and distances – then it gets interesting to see is there a is there a counterpunch to the punch, right? And I think that's when we'll see what Will Levis is. I think right now he's I think he's gonna be really good for the first three weeks of this, at least. Yeah. But I think after that's when we see can he make adjust adjustments on the adjustment. And that'll be that'll be interesting to see because a lot of young quarterbacks can't do that. And yeah. they kind of get stuck in a phase where, oh man, like what's this, this is going to be like this rest of my career and Brock Purdy's there right now where he's got to make an adjustment to the adjustment or else he's going to kind of fall flat and you know in San Fran so that's an interesting one for me but where do you where do you see Purdy rest of season what do you think what do you think Shanahan's going to do to you know in that offense the Shanahan offense what do you think it's going to look like now well I'll certainly talk to that but I want to go back to Levis real quick just because yeah you know, when you look at Levis, and I love what you brought up there because I, that's one of the things I write about a lot is that from what talking to people, it seems like my theory of, you know, evaluating quarterbacking at the NFL level is games, not weeks, how many weeks they've started, but whenever they start become starters for their team, whether it's year one, year two, or even year three, starts one through six, essentially, maybe a little earlier than that. Usually that's when defenses are too aggressive or too kind of passive and get picked apart or just um, blown away like what we saw right. last week. And so because they just don't know what they have. Like you said, they're starting from scratch. Then week six through about 14 or 15 to me is that's when 
Yep. As you described, they're putting the scouts and are putting have accumulated enough data for the co- defensive coordinators to go. Let's try this. We're not going to throw everything in there because if we do, we might get blown up again. So we don't know for sure. We've only seen limited samples. So we're going to try this and maybe these two things. And then uh, the next week's defense says, well, that worked against the Viking. The Vikings did this successfully. We can do that because we have the personnel. We play a similar scheme. We can do this and add this. And then, you know, after about five or you know six, seven weeks of this, this book starts to get thick enough that teams kind of know what these guys can or can't do based right. on what they did in college. Because if they're successful right now, if they have early success, to me that is, that's really saying, okay, I look like I did in my scouting report, good and bad, and I'm mm-hmm. looking like that against the speed and complexity of the game that right. we're seeing thus far. Now we're right. going to add more complexity to the game and more disguises, and can you, how, how, how are you doing? And some of, some of the things that quarterbacks do, they'll be like, yeah, I, I can handle that. And some are like, yeah, I can handle, oops, no, I can't. And then I think around that week 13 to 17 or of their, their starts 13 to 17, that's usually when they start to hit the trough, like Brock yeah. Purdy right now, which who, yeah. if you look at Brock Purdy, he's literally, whether it's the playoffs or not playoffs included, He's somewhere between start 14 and start 17, depending on which angle you look at it. Well, that's when teams are like, we know what to do. We're going to put you in a corner. We're going to make you throw out of it and see how you handle it. And then it's basically up through that from that point through start 30 is can you improve? Can you be better than your scouting report? A hundred percent, right? Can you fight through that? Can you fight through that adversity and, and, and yeah. really start to you know elevate your own play because yeah. if you look at you know starting the at the Cleveland game right, Debo goes out, no McCaffrey, right? You're losing you're losing playmakers left and right, yeah, and just you know a lot of pressure in his face, um, you know, and it's gonna look it looks different with Debo out, right? Yeah. You know those <laughs> those one to two yard passes aren't gonna be. 13, 15 yards, right? Yeah. So I think this is an interesting time for Purdy to really kind of show us, you know, like, can can he step up and, yeah. and be the guy long-term in San Fran? Because I think he can be. It's just, you know, making sure that he's comfortable and, and you know, is getting the ball in his playmaker's hands. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to be the one to step up. I think he's looked fantastic. I, I, can't, I can't say enough about how much he's grown since, you know, Shanahan literally wouldn't put him on the field. Like yeah. he refused to play him because he, you know, he didn't like his attitude or whatnot. Yeah. But I mean, he's going to be someone I think that steps up even more and, and plays a bigger role in the later part of the year. So yeah, I'm going to get to Purdy after right here in a minute here. But what I'll say with Levis, just to wrap it with this, is yeah. that with all that in mind, watching Levis and seeing how Atlanta played him, I, I would say this from his scouting report. Levis was one of those players who couldn't get all his cleats into the ground all the time on certain throws and the, and, or when his cleats were in the ground, they were pointed in directions that really Mm -hmm. didn't allow him to be pinpoint accurate. And if you notice in that game, there were some, there were some good plays made, but they were often throws either behind or off target. He had a miss to Okonkwo that Mm -hmm. he should have let him and it would have been in, it was, he was wide open and completely missed that. And it was because he was kind of hot pressure was coming and he didn't get all his cleats in the ground and the ball just, he had a wobbler that didn't have much on it. He couldn't drive it. And, and then there was one where his feet were not where they needed to be. And he's still clicking his feet as he begins 
as he finishes his release, right. the midpoint of his back foot and that front toe aren't pointed where they always need to where they be, and then they click into place as he's trying to throw it, and that doesn't work. The ball's just slightly behind, usually. Right. Him. And that happened with a, a touchdown pass to Hopkins, who caught the crossing route behind yeah. him. and then yes. So I think when we start seeing defenses say, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take away the deep game, and we're gonna we're gonna make you fit it in the tight windows in the middle of the field, like your scouting report at Kentucky um, said was problematic. And I and I have a feeling that if Will Levis hasn't improved his accuracy, this is where his game will fall apart. But like you said, I think it's gonna take a few games. Now as for Purdy, listen, I I, I thought. Sunday's game was the best display of quarterbacking I've watched of two quarterbacks in terms of like anticipation and tight window accuracy that I, one of the best I've seen this year. Um, and that includes what Purdy did. He made some awesome throws oh, yeah. in that game. The problem is, is that the windows keep getting tighter and tighter. And I'm not talking by tighter and tighter, like by the standard that he's going to have to continue to play up to that, which right. he will because that's what's happening. But by I'm talking by a standard that Justin Herbert would have difficulty making. Oh, absolutely. Throws. Matt Stafford would probably throw a few interceptions because he would try to drill him in there anyway. Hundred percent. You know, so Purdy. You know, you look at that, and it, we did see that Kittle actually came alive this last week. Yeah. So yeah. So we saw that access, and when I looked at the mistakes he made, like. Last week, you know, the Kittle slipped on a shovel pass in the red zone. There was no real receiver because that was a scheme play. Yeah, yeah. He had mm -hmm. to improvise to McCaffrey, and Pratt made a great play. Now, should he have thrown the ball? No. And and maybe he should have seen Pratt coming, you know, from his backside, you know, sight line. But it was a better play by the linebacker than an, a play endemic of Brock Purdy, you know, Jimmy Garoppoloing. Right. You, you know, right. and, sure. and then the next play, people will look at that and because they were back to back, they would say, "Oh, see, he's like Jimmy Garoppolo. He just falls mm. falls apart yeah. after he makes one mistake." And I'm thinking, if he did that, he would have been out as a rookie. You know. Yeah. And, for and, sure. and we got to remember Logan Wilson who had his 10th interception on that next play baited Purdy to think into thinking that he was moved or held um, in place and then, and then cut off that ball, his 10th interception in three years. I looked up on pro football reference, how many linebackers um, are active leaders in interceptions right now. And there are guys like Levante David with 12. Um, I'm trying to think of other, um, Mosley and about four mm -hmm. other guys have 13. And all those guys I just mentioned who have two or three more than Logan Wilson have played two to three times as long in the league yeah. as Logan Wilson has. So you're talking about one of the best coverage linebackers in football right now. So, you know, again, Purdy shouldn't have thrown it. I'll, I'll say that. But then he comes back after that and leads him on a 75-play drive, makes – George Kittle drops a, a pass that was like an easy play that would have been a first down inside the, the green zone. And then he has to follow it up with a redonkulous, you know, throw across his body that everyone would scream, no, don't do that. Yeah. But it was <laughs> wide open yep. and he, and he made it, he made it yep. happen. And I've seen him do that at Iowa state 
on occasion. And I remember remarking in his Wisconsin report, there are plays like this that you're like, I see why he sees it and wants to throw it. I just don't know whether he has the arm to do it in the NFL. But lo and behold, he's kind of calibrating to figure that out. So I'm a believer now. I I wasn't sure heading into the season, but I'm a believer now to the idea that you don't make the throws he did. And there was a beautiful pocket play where he gets oh and he slid yeah 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 Yeah, when the the safety came on the safety Mm -hmm. off the left side. If you didn't watch it. The safety cup is disguises the blitz perfectly, comes through unblocked, and Bert and Purdy literally sidesteps it yep. with his feet under him and then slides up and then makes a, a perfect throw. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, those aren't plays that most quarterbacks no. make well. No. So the combination of the pocket presence and 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 management, the anticipation, <laughs> the placement in the windows that he's throwing it combined with when things screw up and he makes two big mistakes in a row that cost them the game. Okay. I mean, at that point he was the, he was the reason he still came back and led them to a score. I mean, like he, I'm a believer that this is a trough right now, but he's going to play his way out of it. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. I think I, I also think too, that he has the locker room too. Like that's the thing is there's no more Trey Lance, like, over the yeah. shoulder, right? Like, and like if please he makes stop mis- about yeah. Sam Darnold. Come right, on, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He, he's never gonna happen. <laughs> but no, he, he has a lot of leeway. I mean, in you know, and then they know this is a kid that like, he's Mister Relevant, right? Yeah. I mean, like, he's gonna be someone that fights and battles and and cra- scratches and claws his way, you know, to everything he gets, and that's super important when we're talking about the quarterback vision in this league because so many guys just kind of have it good, and then they just kind of just wow like just go away right like jimmy yeah. grapple is one of those like how many teams are going to give jimmy grapple another starting job not many yeah. right he's he's blown it again so i mean really a guy like purdy is in a good situation to continue to improve and i'm really excited to see him do so too because i mean i think this is you know besides the eagles i think it's the eagles it's, i think it's three teams the niners the eagles and i think the lions as well yeah. I think those three. I think those three teams are really good, very well coached. Um, and the Lions are one that are. Whenever I watch the Lions play, um, like I did against Vegas on Monday night, they just surprise me. Like they just play good ball. They had, they were missing three interior linemen, and they absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. Yeah, like you wouldn't even know. Um, and that's a that's a super cool thing. That's a that's a lot of coaching and it's a lot of Dan Campbell. Um, and his staff, but you know, that's going to be a team to watch, you know, as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit last night and that is in the sense that, um, you know, Felix Sharp and I were talking about last night and Felix is a huge Lions fan. And he was like, you know, the thing that impressed me about it is that the Lions have built a team that can win outdoors and, yep. And that's their, that was their goal. They, and they're going to run it down your throat if they need need to. And in the playoffs, I mean, people don't explain this well enough. I always laugh because everybody goes, well, in the playoffs, you need to run the ball. And that's all they say on national TV. They don't explain why. They don't explain that that teams are banged up and hurt because they've been playing hurt and injured all yeah, year. Yeah, 100%. And, and, they, and they can't hold up physically. So if you can run the ball – you have an advantage that way. Absolutely. The, the elements, you, you know, is part of yep. it. You know, yeah, you play in Philadelphia, are, yeah. Quarterbacks are arm weak. At You know, every quarterback 
with the exception of maybe one or two, and they'll probably be in the playoffs, but still, are arm-weary and can't throw the ball with the zip that they were able to throw it with at the beginning of the season due to the number of reps that they've had. It's, yeah. it's natural. So, yes, running the ball is, a, is an extension of that. And, yeah, I'm a... I'm with you on the Lions. That was a, yeah, they are, they're, they're on, they're poised. And I love Dan Campbell. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, he's uh, awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. I, I loved him on hard knocks. I think that was, you know, the first time we really got a taste of what he's actually like. And he's super, the thing I, I love about Dan Campbell, he's so authentic. Yep. Right? He, he is who he is. And if you love him, you love him, you hate him, you hate him. Yep. Um, and his players buy into it. And his players are an extension of who he is. That's super important for head coaches, right? Yeah. I think he has that personality that kind of, you know, radiates with, you know, radiates towards his players. And, and you can kind of feel that. And, you know, we saw on national television that, like, those dudes play. Yeah. Like, those dudes play hard. And, and they, they're probably going to have – I mean, really, when you talk about the run game and, and how important it is in the playoffs, they will have a – they have a top three run game in the league. Yeah, like Montgomery and Gibbs are as good as a one-two punch as you'll find in the NFL right now. Oh, no, no doubt. And I think it's a really good balance of if, if you're playing in the elements and outdoors, if you're playing in Philly, Dave Montgomery is, is that. Hey, if it's snowing and a cold weather, that's your guy, right? Yeah. But if you got to keep pace with teams, great. You have your Ferrari and Jameer Gibbs, right? And and that's a big deal. Even we saw too. I think the important thing was. Hey, if Montgomery goes down, like, can we trust this Gibbs kid to have twenty-five plus touches? Yeah, I mean, he looked—he looked every bit of the twelfth overall pick in that Vegas game, every bit. Yep. And he did a lot of the things in that game that we wanted to see him start to do as the game slows down for him, especially running in between the tackles. And it wasn't like he wasn't a bad in between the tackles. Runner just didn't have the experience there. And Austin Eckler alluded to he's very green yes. in that area. Just didn't experience it a lot at Alabama, right? Didn't experience that a lot at Georgia Tech, right? He was so good outside the tackles that that's where they gave him touches, right? And and as a receiver. But what we saw is he was playing running back in a traditional sense, right? But they still use some of those those like those outside zone delays and those were really cool. That's a really cool concept. Um, and then they're using the tradition, the traditional inside zone with him, and he looked good doing all of it. And he made the touchdown play was one of the highest level plays I've seen from a rookie running back, to where he made the cut, but he made it in between two blockers. Perfect timing, and then the natural ability to you know foot race the end zone, but. With guys like that, where it's you know your top twenty pick, top fifteen pick, top twelve pick, you want to see them because you see it in college. Like there, there's moments in college when you know Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, like you're like, oh, this is the most, this is the best guy in the field, this is the best athlete on the field. You wait for the kind of the NFL moment where you're like, hey, that's the like, that's the baddest dude on the field today, and that's what we kind of saw, right? We we saw he he was the best athlete on the field and. He just kind of moves at a different speed than everybody else does, right? Yeah. And that's a really cool thing to see. He's an athlete amongst other one percent, one percenters, 
right? It, it's like a billionaire against millionaires. Both are rich. The billionaires are a little richer. <laughs> Absolutely and that, great the, analogy. And, and that's what we kind of saw. And it was really cool to watch because, my gosh, if he's if he plays like that, the Lions going to be really freaking hard to beat because they they give you a threat on every single – it's like what we wanted Jamison Williams to be at receiver. Right, yeah. we wanted Jamison Williams to be this huge threat. Jamison Williams just basically got just they just said, All right, Davin Peoples Jones, come on, like, let's like we need you in the building here because we don't trust Jamison Williams, right? But Jameer Gibbs is when he's on the field, all you know, yeah. all 11 know where, where he's at, right? And that's super important thing, especially that opens up things for. You know, St. Brown and Laporta and the rest of that passing game. And it makes Jared Goff's job a lot easier, right? Because they're worried about the running back. That's rare. Yeah. There's not a lot of teams that they're worried about the running back. And I think that's what he gives the Lions. And that's a super, super important thing that not a lot of teams can say, especially as you get into January and February, is you have to worry about Laporta. You have to worry about St. Brown. You have to worry about Montgomery. And you have to worry about Jameer Gibbs. And I think that. Of all the teams out there, I mean, everybody likes wants to have like a deep threat, a vertical threat that can win on one play. But if there's an offense that I think I look at and say, well, it'd be nice if they had it, but who gives a shit? It, it would be the <laughs> Detroit Lions because because really Laporta is a good um, Laporta or St. Brown or Josh Reynolds or now Donovan Peoples-Jones. They're the type of players that can win deep off of long, mm-hmm. long developing vertical yeah, routes. Yeah, like deep long crossers, play action. Yeah. A long play action, so that's fine. All of them are good after the catch. If we all remember Devonovan People, Peoples-Jones was one of the best punt returners in the NCAA yep. and a fantastic yep. runner after the catch that we haven't seen that um, be exploited. Laporte right. is good after the catch. I mean, all of them are. So really this team... And Jared Goff is a guy that we've seen has proven he's, that he'll just piece drives together. He'll, you know, absolutely. So, They'll. It felt like they had the ball the first drive. It felt like they had the ball for like ten minutes. Yeah. Like they, you know, and it's one of those things where it's you're right. They don't have to have a, a a true level three threat because Dan Campbell doesn't want to win that way. Right. It's kind of like how Vrabel doesn't want to win that yeah. way in a sense, too. Yeah. And these are two smash-mouth, hard-nosed football players, right? Just don't take shit from anybody. You want to win that way, too. Yeah. And the difference is Dan Campbell's team can actually play football like that and, and do it in a winning yeah. way. And he's got Where, enough. Yeah. yeah, and he got enough. He hit on his players. Yeah, he hit on yes, his players. They to do it. nailed this yeah. draft class. They absolutely nailed it. Laporta, Gibbs, Laporta, Branch, Campbell. Yeah. Those are all like you, if you go through a draft class and you come out with four starting caliber players. Yeah. That's, that's a massive win. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, you know, I mean, looking back on it, I don't want to sit and sit and bash anybody who thought that Dan Campbell's, um, op- you know, welcome to the Lions speech and introductory speech to, with, to the media people made fun of him through talking about biting ankles and all that stuff. Yeah. The kneecap, the biting kneecaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, you know, it was funny cause I was sitting with my buddy, Eric Stoner, you know, talking to him when, when we heard that and we called each other up and we were like, what do you think of that? And I was like, I love it. I know that Absolutely. there are people that don't, and we're making fun of it, but 
I thought he was genuine. And that's the thing. Super you have authentic, to, man. Yeah, and I think people needed time to to understand. So not everyone's going to be able to look at someone and say that's authentic, you know. But but I think that when you you watch enough people over time, you kind of get the sense of who's for real. And he certainly was always yeah. for real. You get the, the idea of who who's real and who's not. Yeah. And I think he's one that will. That's just who he is, right? And you you got either love him or hate him, but. Hey, they're buying into it, and so, that's and that's important. So, do you think there's fantasy value for Donovan Peoples Jones this year, or do you think that's more of just a nice um, piece? Where I mean, like, what do you recommend to somebody who's a fantasy GM right now, and they go, "Oh, they got Donovan Peoples Jones." Yeah, I, I think it. It just, I think he's a nice. I think he is the nice tertiary piece that they've been kind of missing, right? And I think he he's played enough ball now where he's I think he's a good vet right he, he's a younger guy but I think he plays like a good vet um but he offers you enough athletically to where there's there's upside there right there's upside there's upside but there's also a safety net right with Jamison Williams I mean he's I think he has as many career drops as receptions not even kidding yeah and it's going to take Jameis Williams a couple more years to potentially even figure it out to a point where he's startable. Like you can put him on the field for more than 50% of snaps. You can't do that right now. Yeah. And if you're in fantasy leagues, I'm not getting too excited about that in people's Jones, but I will say this. If there's times where Laporta or St. Brown, one of them's not healthy. I think there's a secondary role there for a guy like DPJ. Um, because I think he can play a he can play a role, and I think he can be. We kind of look at how you know Josh Reynolds, right? Like look what he did when St. Brown was out. He played really well, right? He yeah. he he commanded targets, and he didn't make a ton of mistakes. And I think that's what you know DPJ can be, and then some, right? He has a lot more upside um, than a Josh Reynolds, but just as much safety. And two, he can he offers you value as a punt returner. So I think that's a great trade for them. I think that's a that's a big playoff move as you get him more comfortable. What's the upside to him as opposed to more of Josh Reynolds? Because that's the thing that I wanted to know is like yeah. I saw him as more of like, okay, as it looks like they're looking at him as like I didn't think of him one to one with Williams as much as I saw him as one to one with Reynolds. But yeah and and going, well does that mean they're like we're ready to pass on Reynolds or we're looking at it and saying Reynolds can be there as the as the bridge for mm -hmm. Donovan Peoples Jones once yeah. once that's over. So what do you see with Donovan Peoples Jones where you say, yeah, he's got more upside than Reynolds other than youth? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um just the overarching athleticism, right? Josh Josh Reynolds is not a super athletic guy. And to win on the outside, especially against, you know, teams like San Francisco, teams like Philadelphia, right? You have to you have to have the ability to be a vertical threat and go downfield. And, and one thing I think that people don't really understand about DPJ is he tested as probably one of the most athletic receivers height weight wise in the past six years. Um, and I think that's, a, we haven't seen that a ton. He does return punts, which is pretty cool for a guy his size. Um, but I think we, like you alluded to earlier, we haven't really seen that part of him yet. We haven't seen that the post catch stuff, right? I think that is going to be where he can grow into a legit, like, hey, number number two, number three option in NFL offense and do so in Detroit. Too much volatility in Cleveland, obviously, you know, for many reasons. Um, and I think this is going to be a place where he can potentially, you know, either split time with Josh Reynolds or take 
that role from him outright as the postseason comes. So I think you're going to want a bigger threat on the field when you're playing teams like Philadelphia, right? Like does, you know, do Philly's outside corners, will they respect Jack Reynolds? Probably not, right? But you want them to give, you want to give them something to think about. And I think DPJ does that. That makes sense. Yeah, because Reynolds is more of what Nico Collins is doing right now with a lot of to a lot of defenses where sure. – and Collins can do more than that, but you see him taking advantage of outside shade coverage, and that's where he's getting a lot of his big plays right now, even right. though he can do more. And I think that's where Reynolds does well. And I'll just add this since I'm contractually obligated that I didn't right. mention that the Minnesota Vikings probably should look north to the CFL and say, hey, Chad Kelly, you know, maybe we could pay you a little less. And have you can have Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison right. and DJ Hawkinson, and right. we may not pay you as much as what we'd pay another guy, but right. you'd have a shot. And if you do well, yeah, we'll break the bank for you. Um, so you know that's another we need one every podcast. We, we need some Chad Kelly reference before, but here goes this: he, he's better than a lot of backups in the league, in my opinion. But yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I'm, yeah, I'm a you know the, the, I'm a shill for Chad Kelly at this point, just because my it. evaluation was so strong. Okay, so Tyson Bajent, you're a Bears fan. What'd you think? I am a Bears fan. Here goes this: I, I like Bajent a good bit. I don't think he's the guy. Like no. And anywhere probably, but but I'll tell you this: he plays well within structure, can make plays out of structure. He's someone that is going to be a good NFL backup for probably a long time. Reminds me a lot of Gardner Minshew. Like that's who I kind of see when watching him. I get that. Like he can, you know, <laughs> he's got a better arm than Gardner. He, he does. He does. Hundred percent. But like he's athletic enough to run around and you know make plays with his feet outside the pocket and. He has a good feel, natural feel for the game. You can kind of tell that, like, like the clock's not ticking too quickly. Um, but he's he's a good backup quarterback, right? I think he's one. Of, he's gonna be one of those guys, like a Minshew, like a Josh Dobbs, right? Like you know, Josh McCown, like one of those guys who just sticks around for a long time because they're good in relief, right? If you if you need them to come in and and you know, if starter gets hurt. You know what you're gonna get. I think he can he can kind of ascend into that. Like the people, are like oh my gosh, this is someone who who might take Justin Fields' job. Stop. Like no, no chance, right? No. It, either this is Justin Fields' job or someone who's not in the roster. Yeah. Um. But I I liked watching him play, man. I, I think he, you know, it, it's it's kind of fun to see what these guys will be because you have no idea, especially a guy like him coming from a super small school. Like you have no idea what these guys are gonna be in the NFL. But you know, we kind of saw, hey, this is someone that that could be, you know valuable as a, as a backup option for a long time and i'd love for him to be in chicago for a while it'd be cool i mean i, th- I think having a guy like that's super important because you look yeah. at teams who don't like it really hurts what happens if jalen hurts get hurt gets hurt marcus Mariota is not very good nope like let's be honest yep so that's the thing is you need guys like that i know i bet they're hope they're wishing they had garner Minshew because I'll, I'll say this if philly had garner Minshew right now Jalen Hurst might not be playing. Yeah. They might be resting him, yeah. right? And that's the thing is they don't think they can – they probably don't think they can win many games with Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So, who, is, who, by the way, threw four touchdowns in his debut with the Tennessee Titans in a drop. He did. Isn't Bay. that crazy? So that's, that came up when I was watching the game. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. He did have a pretty good debut, didn't he? Yeah, four touchdowns. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So you know, that just should tell you, don't get too excited yet. doesn't mean that – 
Will didn't do great. He just did great what was given him, and we have to understand that defenses right. do give things. Now, you know, when you talk about Bajan, you know, I'll, I'll just plug this because Lauren Cox over at Lockdown Bears, he had me on to talk about Tyson Bajan earlier this week, and um, it was supposed to come out, I think, yesterday, but he decided to put it out on Friday because of the Montez sweat trade um, that was going down as we were talking. But if you want to hear my take on kind of quarterback evaluation for even Division Two or Division One. I talk more in detail about that, but suffice to say, I agreed with you that Bajan is, I saw him as that worst case scenario um, if he is going to be a journeyman um, right. starter, first tier backup, kind of, you know, at best a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick type, right. um, you know, maybe can be a little more than that if we start to see that his processing of the game grows by leaps and bounds. You know, if that happens, then I think he has a chance to be a notable starter in the league. But I'm more with you in the sense that, look, you know, first he's got to kind of learn how to deal with the pocket a little bit differently. Like, there are some plays that he's got to learn how to climb certain yeah. certain plays and not flush um, automatically. Right. And so that's the first thing that would be on his list for me. And, yeah, we're not – come on, please don't tell us. You know, if you're if – you're, the whole idea of Justin Fields – being replaced by Tyson Bajan is preposterous at this stage of the game. Um, yeah, not happening. Yeah, not happening at all. If it does, I'm not an Atlanta Falcons fan, but I might become one if if Justin Fields winds up there right? with Arthur Smith's offense. You, you know, so you now it's you now it's the Heineke show. So yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I thought, and I think it's going to probably go good enough that they'll go. Yep, we're done with Desmond Ritter. Um, not that we're going to keep Heineke, but right. you know. Yeah. It's just a really, yeah. It's just it's a really interesting. I just, really here goes this man. That, that offense is a run through Bajan Robinson. Like, yeah. I just don't know why they haven't made that transition yet. You know, you look just watch the what Jameer Gibbs is the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Yeah, like just just give the kid just give the kid twenty five touches. Like see what he can do. You're gonna get twenty five touches for one hundred thirty five yards and probably two touchdowns. That's it's what he's gonna do. Is is this like, old school like, thinking that he's just afraid that we don't really have a quarterback? So why am I going like, to waste my man. wasted on uh, waste Robinson's touches? You know this year. I just don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't understand why. Like, and the thing is too. Like, it's not like they're generating a ton of offense, right? Like this is <laughs> like this is a team that's struggling to create yeah. yards, and it's hey, the guy you're giving them bulk with touches to is averaging literally less than three point two yards a carry. Yeah, like. Yeah, like I'm not a big yards per carry guy, but like, I mean, Tyler like, Algier is what he is. He, yeah. he, you know, I mean, I thought I saw him as a special teams 100%. guy who can give you good backup carries and and help you win games when you need him to start on, on a good offense. Sure, you know, but he's not a star running back without no, a, no, no, he's he's not a starter on a good offense, right? No. And I, I think. But it's like, and like Arthur Smith's like playing Cordero Patterson. I'm like, yeah. Oh my god! Like, why did you like? Why did you draft this kid in the top ten? Yeah. Like, why did you draft this kid if you're like he's he can help you win games? Like, he is a rhythm based runner. You do not give guys like that less than 18, 18 touches a game. Like, but, it's yeah. just malpractice. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I don't understand. But you know. You we we've talked about Gibbs, we've talked about Robinson. You know, let's talk about the direction of running backs in this league because sure. those are two of the guys that you that you brought up. You also brought um, Devon um, H N. 
Yeah. Um, uh, um, and Jaleel McLaughlin. These are yeah. all guys who can catch, who are explosive. They're great in space. Um, and I think they all can run between the tackles. Yeah. Um, are they in terms of skill set? Um, the, the question then is for the old schoolers and, you know, someone like myself who still loves the Josh Jacobs type and the oh, yeah. Derek Henry type and the, and even like even Chris Rodriguez, who I'm was not a huge fan yeah. of. I, I still see shades of my old favorite Spencer Ware, and I get excited. So yeah. are, you know, what's what, when you see Gibbs, a HN and Robinson and McLaughlin, what are you thinking about this in terms of direction of the league? I think it's interesting because what you're looking at, and you look at kind of the deployment of some of those guys, I think in particular, um, you know, Gibbs and A-Chain and Robinson, we haven't seen a ton of Jill McLaughlin in this capacity, but used as a traditional receiver, right? Or at least as a decoy and A-Chain's, you know, perspective, right? He's more on just design touches like jet toss and all that type of stuff. But, you know, with Gibbs, we saw in the Raiders game too, like he'd line up in the slot on third downs, right? They found a way to create an empty formation and keep the kid on the field, right? Like, and keep him as a usable piece, not just split out wide, just, you know, running a, a smoke, right? But I think that's the direction the league is going at the position, right? I think it's becoming more positionless at running back, right? You're getting less guys like you alluded to. You're Josh Jacobs, you're Derrick Henrys. You're getting less coaches that want to use them like that because the pace of play is speeding up, right? It's a, you know, you play the, you play the Miami Dolphins, you play the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a race to 30. Yeah, it's right? too much, too much pressure to keep up. Exactly, right? It, it's a, it's a race. And that's the thing is you want, you, in a race, you want race cars. And I think that's the interesting part about it is you want guys that can play, you know, play in the slot that, that can give you some value as a receiver, right? That that can be a one play touchdown, right? And that's what I think the direction the league is kind of becoming. And it, it it's interesting because I think it hurts the value of running backs in the near term because it's going to kind of be like a calibration shift. I think as, similar to how wide receiver has changed a lot in the past decade, right? Where really your primary receiver was your big-bodied ex who just sat outside in the boundary and he stayed there the whole game, right? But then Antonio Brown came along and that's when it started to really shift, right? You you got the smaller, oh, okay, the smaller guy, you can move around. Okay, cool. You have Devontae Smith and you have some of these other guys who are fighter bills, Jordan Addison now. Yeah and move these guys around and get them the ball, right? And that's what receivers became, is receiver is now a your, your best receiver is your movement Z, really. Like, that's the guy, you, you're moving him around to give him touches. You're not putting him on the perimeter. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is the last, the Mohicans there, right? Right. That, that's kind of, <laughs> that's him, right? He's staying there, he's staying outside, he's getting touches there. But... Really, now it's for running back. It's you want guys who it's not, hey, this guy can't pass protect. He needs to come off the field. It's all right, cool. We're third and four. All right, let's go empty. Put Gibbs in the slot. Great. And that gives the defense a different headache, right? Yeah. Because if you do send pressure, you got a hot done. And that, and that with a good quarterback play, especially with like a guy like Garrett Goff, right? If you go empty and there's pressure, he's 
you know, it's first down. Yeah. And that's the thing is you're you're getting that from running backs today. And as we as you and I go about evaluating this next running back class, I don't doesn't have any of those guys. I'm gonna give right? you a name to watch if you haven't yet, because Chad Ryder gave me a name to watch. And I Okay, like please him. do. Blake Watson out of Memphis. Yes, he's good. Yeah. He's good. Him? Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah, right? He's good. And he's got yeah, a little Memphis produces backs, man. They yeah. Do. Out of Old Dominion by way Memphis by way Old Dominion, and he's yeah. got a little, he's got a little. I would put it this way: like if Austin Eckler is the aspirational play for that dude, um, you know, it's the aspiration. It's a far off aspiration. I like that though. You know, but it's kind of there. Giovanni Bernard maybe a little closer in the okay. neighborhood. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, he's and stuck G- around, man. Yeah, and Gio's a little bit before his time. And to speak of like running backs and how this is going, I brought this up to Adam Harstead on our um on our film and theory shows that we do every Thursday um last week and I said you know who I think was before their time about 10 years before their time as a running back was LaMichael James Absolutely I, I think if LaMichael James Absolutely. played in this league because I, that's who I compared David um Devin Achan to was yeah, LaMichael like, faster Michael 100%. yeah yeah can you imagine those two in the league right now? Or Dexter McCluster, even. Uh, but definitely. Brandon Banks. Brandon, like, guy, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, for, no, you're absolutely but right. But LaMichael James wound up on a, on a you know, pound the rock between the tackles, heavy set 49ers offense. If he were, you know, that's where he stayed most of his time after being drafted what, by the Dolphins, who were also pounding the rock that way. Um, so... Imagine if he's, imagine if he's in Miami, right now, or in, or even like in San Francisco now, as opposed to my back then, or a team like you know, uh, you know, there's a number of teams that I think kind of fit the bill with that. That is for the Eagles, you know, that he would have been a better running back than I think his career turned out to be. But um, I agree. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's a it's it's kind of a fascinating thing when you look at these backs. I I'm also I'm saddened to think that this is where it's going a little bit because I mean I do like the fast guys who can make those big plays, but I'm also kind of hoping that there's a couple of guys that just say, look, they I'm kind gonna, of transcend it, yeah, yeah, or yeah. just go. I'm gonna channel so. my inner Marty Schottenheimer as a coach and say, forget what everybody wants. I'm gonna give you what wins. And just say, you know, everyone's doing this. Okay, we're going to build a team that does the opposite. And we're going to be patient. We're going to walk down the hill and get them all as opposed to run down the hill and try and get one. You know, and I and I think that there's there's still room for that. But it's, but it's going to take a special situation. I think to an extent, that's kind of what Dan Campbell's doing, you know, right now. So absolutely every you know. every bit that team is predicated off of hard nosed football, play action, and you walk your way down the field. Yeah. But you're getting there. You're getting yeah. the green zone. Yeah. It's gonna take you a while to get there. Yeah. But but and yeah. But then when you get the ball again, nobody wants to tackle your football player. No, and that's the tough part too, is like we saw, you know, like Gibbs like in the third or fourth quarter, like dude. Raiders were gassed. Yes. Like, they have to chase this kid around. Oh, my yeah. God. Imagine getting bludgeoned 
by Dave Montgomery for two quarters, first two quarters, mid third quarter comes our putting putting Gibbs in. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like exactly. it, it's good football, man. It's yeah. fun to watch. Then they, you're gassed, well. and then you're gassed, and with two minutes left, three, four minutes left in the game, you put Montgomery back. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. And then you get bludgeoned again. <laughs> yeah, and then you're Brutal. like, <laughs> and, then, oh, then and then you have the fantasy fans are going like, well, Montgomery had a sixty-yard touchdown run, and yeah. you know, and you're like, well, there's yeah, a reason I the for lane that. My grandmother could crawl through. <laughs> yeah. My God. Yeah. So I mean, look. That's that's awesome. And speaking of like, you know, grandparents, there we have a we have a player who has a nickname that you know a lot of people would call their grandfather by the name of Pops, Pops Douglas. And yeah. you know, so let's talk about Demario Douglas. You know, it's funny you brought him up as a guy we want to talk about because two weeks ago I profiled him in my top ten column at FootballGuys.com, saying this is a guy he start he's starting to shine. Hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, he's... what are you saying? I'm he's okay. Here goes this: if the, if if the Patriots want to do anything, this he has to be the number one target in that offense. Like now, wow. Kendrick yep. Bourne's out for the year. Juju Smith Schuster is not Juju Smith Schuster anymore. Um, they don't have anybody else. No. You know, like and this is the thing: is he has been the most dynamic playmaker in that offense since week one. Yeah, like and you can see that. Why? The Bills haven't put him on the field. <laughs> why have they? Why have they put him? On the, I have no idea. But he has to play in the slot. He gives giving him a two way go is giving Mac Jones a safety blanket. Yeah, right. The tight ends are okay. I think Henry and Gasecki are fine. Gasecki doesn't do much for this offense, in my opinion. Um, but really, he just gives them. You know, he gives them a threat. And I think. Kayshawn Booty is someone who has to start playing too. Yes. Right? You just got to see what you have in these guys. Devontae Parker's not doing anything. You know, Juju Smith Schuster is not doing anything. They never will anymore. Yeah. Like, the, the, like those guys are, no, they're past their time. Let's give the young guys a shot, right? Kayshawn Booty was going to be a legitimate top 12 pick in the NFL draft before the injury and before the off the field stuff. That's where he was ascending. You could even make a case that he was going to be a top top eight pick. He was that good. Let's find out. Yeah. Like, let's find out if he is. I wrote and, about him today and as a guy to hold because for me, I think what happened is the narratives. The narratives were like, and this gets this is where logo scouting gets into effect. That There's a reason why he was that high because he was that good. But he wasn't that good in the way Justin Jefferson no, or, totally or Jamar Chase were that good. He's more of a if you if I were to compare him to players, I'd say he's a mix between Jarvis Landry and Robert Woods. He's somewhere in between that. And if you look at their profiles in terms of like athletic testing, there's a lot of similarities to both those guys. Is also in terms of dimension and style of play. He's in the I think the problem for him right now was that you know they played him outside. And he's probably his best position right now is wow. still the slot. So they need him at, but they need him at flanker, and yeah, and he's got to do that. And Bill O'Brien came out today. They asked him about Butte and said, "Is he not active because of coat? You know, is he just not handling coaching well? What's going on?" And O'Brien said, "No, he's doing great in practice. Like we're very happy with his practice habits and how he's grasping everything. We just feel like he needs a little bit more time to get a handle on what we want him to do." And, you know, but I, I fully believe that he can be a good player in this league, which to me sounded like language of 
we need to put use him out other than the slot because we found our slot receiver in Demario Douglas, yeah. and and that means that Butte is going to have to play outside, and that means you know those four those four targets in week one where he didn't get a single catch, and two of them he caught, but he did, couldn't keep his feet in bounds, including a potential yep. like game extender yep. in the yeah. red zone. Um, yep. You know, but now I, I'll add this. You know. Julian Edelman, when he got started as a seventh round pick, you know, they started him right away as a receiver, though he was a quarterback, and he barely had any time his first year. Danny Woodhead out of Shadron State, the running back yeah, wide receiver Danny combo, Wood, yeah. who literally had top twenty four production at both he positions. Was insane. Yeah. Yeah. In 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 the NFL in his nine year career, he had four top um four fantasy starter years, two each at each position. Um so he was they also rarely used him right. early on. And if you look at Ramondre Stevenson, same thing. He had like two touches in his first game after a good preseason, like Butte, who had a good preseason. And then four weeks went by before he, he got a little some more looks and it was the end of the year. So I think Butte is going to get his chance. Um, but he's not, he's going to have to, I think they know he's going to have to be really conceptually great and really get Absolutely. his route game to a, top, a razor's edge to be a good flanker in this league and not like an every down flanker. Like right now, I think he could have passed as a flanker slot who they moved around like that movable Z you'd mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I think too, it, you know, having a guy like Mac Jones, like you got to win quick and you got to win the short to intermediate areas of the field. Right. I mean, yeah. th that's not who he was, right. He won a lot from being rotated to the slot. And I actually compared him to at his very best, like a Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Right? Because that's, I mean, he's in the same room. It's funny, but pre-draft, I'm like watching this kid for a couple of years. Like he wins like Juju, right? We saw how good Juju was with Antonio Brown, like how good he was getting two-way goes. And, you know, Ju Juju was super athletic. Yeah. Like he used to be like, if you gave him gave him a crease, he's, he's he gone. Had that, he had that kind of. I don't know how to phrase this, but you'll know as someone who does what you do, I'm putting pressure on you by saying that, but like, okay. but, uh, but you know how, when Adrian Peterson moved, he looked like one of those stratomatic toys. Like when he runs, like it's like his whole body almost yeah. vibrates. Juju, Juju yes, had dude. that at USC, like and early in Pittsburgh, like when he ran, like he was decisive, dude, he but was, the energy was so off the so, charts. He was so urgent yes. after the catch. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. It was so, it was such a great marriage between him and Brown and Roethlisberger. Great. Yeah. But he just doesn't have it anymore. That's fine. I mean, yeah. you know, it's. I mean, they could have banged up over time, right? Yeah, it just ha it happens. But he, a few knees, and there you go. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting offense with, with the Patriots right now. I mean, you, you have to, man. I mean, you, you just got his. Just, hey, pop, just right, we're giving, we're just giving you twelve targets a game, man. Yeah, Let's see what you got because yeah, they, they you gotta. Yeah. There's no. He extends well for the ball. He, he wins in traffic. He wins yeah. after the catch. He's got the he's got the interior game really well in between the numbers. Yeah, it's all there. Yeah, it's yeah, all there. No, hundred percent. And if you're in dynasty and you know someone picked him up off waivers and there's it's like oh, this guy's in Purdue, just go get him right now, like yeah. right now, because yeah. Kendrick Bourne tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Devontae Parker's dealing with I think another concussion potentially question mark. Um, you know, and Juju Smith-Schuster, 
he, he's not going to be targeted very often. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's, you know, they're going to target anyone. It's got to be the guy who's actually making some plays. Without a doubt, you know. And so, I mean, yeah, it's Pop Douglas time. And, and yeah, it, it it's, you know, Farrell Brown's over Gasecki at this point. I mean, really, if you look yeah, at I it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he is. You're not you know, kidding. You know, so it is there's not much left there Butte is going to be like the guy that they're just going to say well we're going to have to use you ready or not yep. let's, let's, yeah, see what, no let's choice. see what happens so yeah well I'm glad that you guys have choices and I'm glad that you've made the choice to, to listen to Brandon and I on, a, on an every other week basis here at Going Deep um, you can certainly find us at where you can find the, the RSP cast Matt Waldman's RSP cast you know whether that's you know, on iTunes or Spotify or, you know, Google or any place where you go get your, your podcasts, it's there. Um, and, uh, you know, put it up on YouTube as well. Um, I usually wait a little bit longer to do that just because it takes a while to download the video. And I like to show the video occasionally because at least one of us has a handsome face and isn't the guy talking <laughs> right now. So, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, that's okay. You don't, you, you know, I've, I've got a face for radio and I'm glad that you guys tune in. And, uh, you know, you can find Brandon's great work at Angelo underscore fantasy um, on Twitter. You can find me at Matt Waldman on Twitter. And thanks again. You guys have a great couple of weeks.